Today we'd like to talk about the importance of prayer. Uh, what an exciting topic. Prayer is dynamite. What does the Bible say? The fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. We can actually change our world and our circumstances with prayer. So would you like to get us started, NJ, uh, by reading Romans chapter 8, verse 28 for us, please? Yes, of course. Let's read together. So Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Fantastic. So some of you listening might think, hang on a minute, she said prayer. Why is she asking NJ to read that passage, that beloved passage, that passage that is so often quoted by Christians as a, a valid means of way of being reassured that Whatever happens to us, God is ultimately in control. Well, the reason is that sometimes, and maybe you excellent listeners, that has never happened to you, but uh, I have seen a lot of people and occasionally myself in the past, I don't do that so much now, but uh, who have um, used that as kind of a way of um, not being, not resignation, but, you know, just, just accepting things that actually pretty sure we shouldn't accept. Um, yes, God is in control, but he's given us the power and the authority to interfere with what's happening in the natural, to bring things into alignment with his, with his will, with his plans, with his purposes. Imagine if, for example, you're ill and you say, oh, he makes all things work together for our good. Yeah, you're ill and he makes all things work together for our good, but that is not an excuse to not pray for healing. So listeners, are you getting my drift? So let's go back a little bit and see what it is we're talking about here. Um, I would like to take a few examples from the Bible of people who excelled at prayer. I mean, like, they were excellent at prayer. So we can start with Anna. So guys, I don't know, and guys and girls, I don't know if you know Anna, but Anna is this prophetess who prayed and prayed and prayed for Messiah to arrive. I'm looking for the Bible verse. So we can go to Luke chapter 2, um, verses 36 to 38. I'm going to read in two versions. I like doing parallel readings, the New King James Version and the New Living Translation. So the New King James Version of Luke 2, 36 says, Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. The 
NLT, New Living Translation, says, Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So from other passages, it appears that this Anna had been praying, uh, some, some parts say 60 years, for Jesus to come. So did God promise that there would be a Messiah, yes or no? He does. So why does she feel the need to pray for the Messiah to come? Isn't it enough that God has said there'll be a Messiah? That's precisely what I want to talk about. Now let's take mm. another example. Let's take another example. So for those of you who remember, I'm not going to go to the passage, but Jesus left his disciples after the resurrection. They, they were not happy about him going. That was not what they had in mind. They were confused already. They'd been confused by the crucifixion. Now their hopes had um, uh, uh, risen again in their hearts because Jesus uh, uh, defeated death, came back to life. But now he was saying he was going back to, 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 to sit at the right hand of the Father. And they didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know what was going to happen. He said, uh, it is good for them, for us even, all Christians, for him to go because he would send a, a friend who would lead us into the, all, the whole truth, the Holy Spirit. So it was a difficult time for them. It was a confusing time. Okay, Jesus just came back and now he's going. What on earth is going on here, etc., etc. Jesus says, I will send you a friend. I will send you a, a Holy Spirit. So Jesus promised that he would send Holy Spirit. He was not a liar. Yeah, he's actually mm. the truth. So they knew if he says he's sending Holy Spirit, he's sending Holy Spirit. But what do they do? If we look at Acts chapter 2, let's start with Acts chapter 1, actually. If we look at Acts chapter 1, we'll see that even though Jesus said he's sending Holy Spirit, they prayed. So let's, let's, let's go back. Let's read um, from verse 4, actually. Mm. So I'm reading in the New King James Version again, Acts 1, verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Lord, Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Verse 9, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So they've received the promise. Jesus has ascended. Verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they'd entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Who was that? The names of the disciples follow. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Let me read verse 14 again. These all continued with one accord 
in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So that's continuing, which means again and again and again and again, while they sat there, they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. With one accord, there's unity in prayer and supplication. What are they praying for? For Holy Spirit to come. So one would think almost, but God, Jesus has already said that. All you have to do is wait, because that's all he told them, right? He said, wait. But they prayed. And if we move forward to Acts chapter 2, from verse 1, their prayer is answered. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Again, that with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a, of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see here how God makes a promise and these people pray to birth the promise so that it breaks from the spirit realm where it's already been a, a truth where it's already been in existence from eternity. It breaks, in, in a manner of speaking, the barrier between the spirit realm and the physical realm and comes into, into physical manifestation in our realm. So why do I associate that with Romans 8.28? I'm, I'm pointing out something that I think is a risk for Christians. We, 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 we're at risk of sort of getting confused between God being absolutely omnipotent, sovereign, have, being the, the first and the last word, what he says goes, etc., etc. That's absolutely good and true and right. But we are at risk of getting confused between that and letting things happen that God never intended to happen. That God wants us to get irritated and offended about and pray until they disappear. And before I hand the microphone to you, um, dear NJ, I just want to... Um, Think to, to point out one thing, which is that God calls us his co-workers. He can do everything without us much better than we can do it. Mm. But he wants us to be his co-workers. So let me look for the Bible verse, because I think sometimes we forget and we kind of want him to do everything. Mm. So if we look at 1 Corinthians 3, 9, I'll read it. Mm -hmm. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. It says, in the New King James Version, it says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. We are God's fellow workers. If we look at, uh, for example, the New Living Translation, it says, for we are both God's workers. So he was mm. talking about Paul and Apollos. And you are God's field. You are God's building. Anyway, there are many versions, but Basically, God wants us to do things with him and not to sit there uh, passively. In the new NIV, New International Version, it says, for we are co-workers in God's service. We are God's field, God's building. So God can do everything better, perfectly actually, because he's holy, but he wants us to do things with him, which is why I really suggest that we, we, we prayerfully reconsider those things that maybe we've set aside maybe because our heart has grown weary maybe because they're taking time longer than we thought they would take to be accomplished maybe because we've prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing happened and we've just sort of given up 
I, I'd say let's let's emulate our, our fathers in the faith. And I'm talking about the New Testament. For those who are already saying, oh, that was the Old Testament, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the New Testament, which says in Thessalonians, to persevere in prayer. That's another Bible verse that actually I'll read really quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. New King James Version says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We are encouraged to persevere in prayer until we see the answer. And yes, sometimes you pray and nothing happens. I'll finish with this about my mom. My mom was in a coma in the months that preceded her passing. And I prayed for her and I, I fasted most days during that month. And she passed away at the end of the month. And I was sure, I was mm. persuaded that she would come back and that she would be healed completely and continue on to live this side of earth, this side of heaven, yeah, uh, to live physically around me on earth yeah i know she lives eternally but i'm talking about not dying at that moment but she died she died and i do not regret one of those prayers i do not regret fasting because i contended i contended for her to be healed and in some other cases me with or without other christians we've prayed into desperate situations and the situation has been turned around in that way i believe my mother was healed but she went on to to to, to live in her new redeemed body with no pain, no sickness on the other side, you know. But I was praying for physical healing and her to be returned to me for a number of years on earth. And it didn't happen. But that's okay. My part is to believe. My part is to pray. My part is to co-work. My part is to birth whatever word the Lord has put on my heart, whatever conviction the Lord has put on my heart. So that's how I link that to Romans 8.28. So I'll give you the floor now, sister. I hope this has been useful to you and not too long, hopefully. Please let us know how you feel about this. And thank you so much, sister, for um, sharing about the, uh, those passages, those verses. Yeah, that speaks to, to me in, in several ways as well. Um, I wouldn't know where to start. <laughs> so I want to give some context to Roman 8.28. I'm going to... I'm going to read that passage again, but I'm going to start at verse 26. Um, so Roman chapters, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, until the end of verse 28. Okay. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us, who wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So what encourages me in that verse, um, it's true that when we quote that passage, we tend to focus on Romans 8.28, all things work together, all things work all things, oh, I cannot say that. <laughs> All things work together for the good of those who uh, love God and, you know, um, those he has called according to his purpose. So we tend to focus on that verse, but I'm very encouraged by what comes before because, again, it's a reminder that God knows what we're going through and he knows, um, he knows what we can handle and he also knows when we're starting to grow tired and to grow weary. And he's telling us that, he's reminding us that he's with us every day first. 
and then secondly that he cares and then thirdly we we see in uh, verses 26 27 that the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness sometimes you know it's hard to keep believing it's hard to to keep having faith especially when you've been at it for for a while you've received god's promises and it's been decades and decades like you know 10 years 20 years 30 years and more I'm thinking of the example that you gave us about um, and uh, the prophetess, and there's just there are just a few lines about her life, um, but those lines are so incredibly powerful. She was only married for seven years, and she was a widow for she was 84 at the time of the the text is written when Jesus is born. Yeah, mm. she's been a widow for what? over 60 years yeah. and in her love for God she just decided to serve God in his temple yeah. and by extension to serve God's people it just and and we see being in the temple of all the examples we see in the Bible there was not one person staying in the temple serving in the temple without having a life of prayer and we know that she had a life of prayer. So it's just her perseverance in praying and in not giving up, not being tired of praying, or even if she was tired, she still went to God and then she sorted that with him. So that encourages me. So I think what I'm trying to share with um, the friends who are listening to us is um, if you're feeling tired right now, if you're feeling tired of praying for the same topics because you're still waiting on your answer, uh, know that the Holy Spirit is also interceding for you Amen. and interceding with you. Amen. So when you feel like you don't have the strength to go on or to believe, God here in the Bible is telling you, I'm carrying you. Amen. Like I know how you feel. I'm carrying you. I'm, I'm right there. So that's the, that was the very first um, takeaway. The second one had to do uh, with, uh, again, the examples that you gave us from um, the book of Acts, the chapter one and chapter two. We see how Jesus tells them uh, what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come and you know, fall on you. And so again, it's the reaction that... Um, is impressive to me in that yeah god is going to reveal things to you throughout your life but i think the first reaction is expecting from from us the moment that happens is that okay we pray mm. we, i don't think that it's fair to say to just pray but i think my understanding is then to pray according to what he said according to what he's he's shown amen if he's shown you something that is going to happen hasn't happened yet my understanding is he's asking us to pray to get so so our hearts will be ready. If you know it concerns other people, my understanding is that he's not showing you something about someone that concerns that person's future for the sake of spiritual gossip. There's no such thing. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he's showing us that uh, so that we will pray for for that person and that person to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. So we pray for that person to be ready for, I don't know, the promotion or again, whatever it is that, that we've been focusing on prayer, we've been, we had, he put on our heart to pray for. Mm -hmm. He's asking us, he always prepares us. Um, 
it's interesting to see and to just to notice that throughout the Bible, God makes a point of warning us. Before Jesus came, 700 years before that, he warned the people of Israel. Yeah. Um, before setting them free for Egypt, mm. he had given them a word. Um, even before catastrophes, you know, were to happen. Yes. He will tell them. And again, the reason why I think, I believe it's because you know, he's inviting us to pray. He's inviting us to, again, seek his face and have a conversation with him. Yes. Even after he's revealed things to us, um, my understanding is that we still need to come to him in regard to, you know, we read in Romans 8, 28, he, everything works together for the good of those is called according to his purpose. Yes. The question when I read that verse is, what is your purpose? Yes, yes. So I'm thinking of, you know the situations that I'm in, mm-hmm. and when I when I'm when I stand on on Roman eight twenty eight, um, it's usually that verse is comforting for me when I I know that I've messed up. Yes, like I didn't apply as much wisdom I should have. I put myself in a difficult situation, and I don't know how I'm gonna get out of it. So I that's when I I tend to fall back on that verse, and I come to God, and and I'm telling God, okay. This is more for myself because you don't need to remember your own words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I'm telling him, I just acknowledge that you are in this mess with me mm. and that you have the power to turn this into a blessing. Amen. But that's right. That's good and right. right. It's yeah. good and right that you do that because he is merciful. He's merciful. Yeah. Yes. So I acknowledge my part in it. I told you acknowledge. I'm not going to pretend that. I'm so highly spiritual that automatically, you know, mm. guess what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I come to him uh, with humility, just acknowledging, but also reminding him and, and thanking him and praising him because he, the Bible says he can turn a curse into a blessing. Amen. And we read here that any situation we, we're in, he can he can turn it around. He can make something good come, okay. come out. Yeah. So it's in that sense that... Um, you know, the perseverance to pray uh, encourages me, acknowledging that there could be a fatigue in praying. Uh, yes, yes. Something important you need to keep, you know, staying honest. Yes. Um, seeking his purpose, again, <clears throat> in everything. Uh, that's a reminder that I also take because um, it's very easy for me to rely on my own reasoning mm. and um, intelligence. And because I'm looking, I like to look at, um, life in general through very rational lenses and and, and through logic, except that um, when it comes to humans and to feelings, <laughs> that doesn't always follow logic. So, anyways, mm-hmm. um, other skills are needed. Yeah, when it comes to- yeah, it's true. Like empathy and patience. Yeah, <laughs> lots of lots of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so that's my. Um, that's my take from from that. I'm still reflecting on, on what you read and what you said. Yeah. Uh, there's something that you said. Thank you for that. That's really good because you gave us some context about Romans 8.28. You gave us some context about the purposes. You highlighted how important it is to make sure we hear from God. And mm. um, this this leads me to something that um, um, is really important that I've been reading recently. Uh, there's a, a, a prophetic training uh, in my uh, local church uh, at the moment. Mm. And um, 
The book that this training is centered on is called Growing in the Prophetic, and it, it was written by Mike Bickle, uh, who heads up International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Uh, I would recommend to all listeners that they purchase that book or download the PDF version from the IHOPKC website because it's an incredible resource. So you might wonder, listeners, what the prophetic has to do with anything. Well, um, NJ said very, very, very judiciously and in a very timely manner at the exact moment when that needed to be said that we need to pray based on what he has revealed to us, based on what he says. We need to ask the question NJ asked, what are your purposes? And the prophetic is key to that. And this is for people amongst us who have received prophetic words, for example, for their own lives, or who have had dreams or visions about nations, about other people, about themselves. How It doesn't matter how small or how big. When God gives us a revelation, he wants us to co-work with him in birthing that revelation. Yes, he can do it. He can do everything himself. He doesn't need humans. But for some reason, he wants to collaborate with us. He wants intimacy with us, friendship with us, relationship with us. He's a relational God. We are his family. Jesus is our brother. So what God does is he gives us a glimpse into what he's going to do. And he can also sometimes give us quite a, a few details or not. It can be in veiled manner through dreams or, you know, these sort of uh, mysterious ways, words that God likes to give his people because he wants us to pursue, to read the Bible, to reflect, to come back to him, to ask him. He wants us to interact with him around what he shows us. And then he wants us to pray into what he's shown us. Mm. It's like it's like a pregnancy. When, when the, 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 the egg is fertilized, it takes nine months before the baby is born. Nine months of feeding the baby in the womb. Nine months of watering the baby. Nine months of resting the mom's body. Uh, that, uh, during that time, the nerves are formed, the brain is formed, the cells are formed, the, the, the limbs are formed, the toes, the hands. Do you know what I mean? And this is how we birth prophecy into being. We get a word from the Lord and we pray into it and we pray to it. And imagine this, take this image of the baby. So uh, uh, this, pro this prophecy, which is in uh, its embryonic stage, starts growing into a full-grown being, quote-unquote. And then it materializes, and then it is born in this world. Does that make sense? Does the analogy of birth, pregnancy, and birth make sense? What do you think, Angie? Um, I wasn't thinking about it that way, but it makes sense. Yeah. The whole just um, praying into something that God has revealed, because you brought it up. I think that, and it was very mm -hmm. important that you did, because I think um, sometimes we really don't know what to pray. <laughs> mm -hmm. But then again, you address that by saying, "Holy Spirit intercedes for us." Yeah. Mm. So we're not pretending to be superheroes of prayer here, are we? No, no. We're just saying yeah. it's okay. It's okay. Mm. It's okay to say, Father, I don't know how to pray anymore about this. Mm. And maybe you pray in tongues if you pray if you if you if you pray, if you're mm. able to pray in tongues, or you can even sit in silence and say, Thank you, Lord, because you intercede for me. Amen. I think the truthfulness and the humility um, are key, but also knowing that God actually wants us to collaborate with. With him, and I know that's difficult for the human being to wrap uh, itself around this idea that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Lord of Eternity wants to co-work with us. I mean, it's the most absurd idea, isn't it? But it is kind of true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of true. But yeah, well, so unless you have something to add, NJ, we can wrap up here. But would you like to finish with a conclusive word and pray uh, for us, please? 
yes. So I hope that um, today's exchange has been encouraging to everyone. It certainly was to me. And um, the encouragement for the days to come is to remember that Holy Spirit is interceding for us mm -hmm. and with us. Amen. And um, on that note, I am going to pray and um, and then, yeah, let's pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for I thank you for your word, and I pray that you always help us to understand it and uh, and apply it. Mm. I thank you for uh, your presence. You promise to be with us every day. I thank you for Holy Spirit interceding for us. Mm. And I pray that you always help us uh, recognize your purpose in um, all that we're dealing with. And I pray that you'll always also give us the wisdom we need um, so that we will know how to pray and what to ask for in prayer and so that we always pray according to you. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, I will just say goodbye to our listeners. And, uh, God bless you and please do give us feedback. And uh, yeah, till next time. Till next time. Have a good week, everyone. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.